BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Amisha Gormley. We're two girls obsessed with one thing, beauty. beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We're calling on our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. With a drink in hand. Definitely with a drink in hand. <laughs> You're listening to Lipstick on the Rim with Molly Sims. Oh my God, you're never going to believe what just happened. I'm sitting across from you. I know. I know. I got to get on a plane and see you again. I know. I know. I know. And guess what else? What? Guess what we have today? I'm a little excited. I'm a little excited. Okay. We have Iskra Lawrence, an amazing mom, model, just an advocate of body positivity. She's a mother. She's an investor. We're going to be talking all things body, confidence, social media. We're going to be talking. She's a role model. She's a role model. And we are so excited to be with you, Iskra Lawrence. You are a freaking badass. So I just want to really tell you guys a little bit about Iskra. She's actually now in Austin, Texas with her family. She is a, well, she's a British, you're a British woman at heart. Yes, you are. Her name means spark in Russian. Um, and I wanted to sit down. Emisha and I are really champion of all things women and confidence and body and body love. And we really, we wanted to, to meet you because we love everything that you stand for. And we kind of wanted to go back. We're moms of three. She has three girls. I have two boys and one girl, and we've dealt with my own issues with being a model and transitioning and love-hate for my own body. And, and I, I've dealt with, you know, a lot of issues with my own body post three pregnancies and um, quite honestly, raising three girls and wanting them to have the most positive view of themselves and and raising them in a confident way. I admire everything you represent and the confidence that you exude and the words that you say and everything that you represent. So uh, I am so looking forward to this for so many reasons because I'm going to channel everything that you say today and hopefully, um, you know, go home and, and preach it to my children and to myself, uh, quite honestly, because it's oh. something that I've struggled with for uh, 40, 42 and a half years, <laughs> be 43 in August. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to absorb as much as I can from you. I really appreciate that. And I'm sure you're doing an amazing job. And it does start at home. You know, it really does. That's where we find out how to learn how to love ourselves from our mothers. 
um, especially as daughters. And I definitely learned a lot of things from my mom, but I also remember we had some really tough conversations about times that were triggering for my eating disorder and my body dysmorphia and times where she hurt me. Um, and what you see and what you hear your mom say about her body and the way she feels about herself can really impact how you feel too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you such, you are such a, a champion of body diversity. Let's go back. 18-year-old yeah. Iskra Lawrence, where are you? How did you get into modeling and how you are today as a 30-year-old woman living in Austin? Oh, gosh. Can it take yeah, us back? Definitely a long journey. You know what's crazy in the fashion industry? You're made to feel like by the time you're 20, if you haven't made it, it's over. Like it's not going to happen. You're old news. Um, so I started in the industry at 13 and it was a tough time. You know, you're becoming a woman. You have no idea what that means. And you're also being con constantly told by the fashion industry that you are not enough. If it's that your skin isn't smooth enough or your hair isn't nice enough or your teeth aren't straight enough, or if you're not slim enough and it's just constant it makes you really internalize those things because you also are meant to be confident and sexy and, you know, hold yourself in a certain way when you walk into a room, yet still someone can just look you up and down and just say no, or sometimes just not say anything or just, just make you leave. People. Yeah. Or not say anything. Don't even acknowledge your effing presence. Right. Exactly. Um, I've definitely had photographers not even bother to learn my name and just be like, uh, you know, and, and that feels a long way from where I am now because I definitely self-advocated and I definitely made sure that in those situations, I did start to speak up. And one way that I had to use my voice was I remember being 18 and it was again, like I said, I've been in the industry for five years, constantly been told I wasn't enough, rejected from multiple different agencies and dropped because of my size and because I couldn't fit into the sample size. And I remember a friend said to me, well, what about plus size modeling? I'd never heard of it in the UK. It wasn't growing the way it was in the US. So I started to research and I was like, wow, maybe that is a possibility for me. But of course I went to an agency and then they said I was too small to be a plus size model. Isn't uh, that imagine, just right? crazy? I mean, listen, I was in the modeling industry for 20 years. I had the same experience. People were like, you're too fat. You're too small. You're too thin. You're too, your hair is too dark. It's too blonde. I've had every single thing. And then you finally feel like, you've made it. And they're like, no, no, it's not good enough. It's, it's not, you're made to feel never confident. Ever. Yes, like there's always something. And so being 18 and trying to navigate someone, the gatekeepers essentially, right? Everyone has gatekeepers, no matter what industry you're in, there's going to be someone that is going to say no to you. And I think that we have to figure out, especially as women in a world where it is run by men, where it is run by people who are go going to tell us no, or going to tell us you're not good enough, or are going to see messages, even when we're super young of the princesses and all of these kind of ideals that are set for women to get married and have kids and act a certain way and be a certain way and look a certain way. We have to know that we don't have to feed into that. And we don't have to try and attain someone else's unrealistic standards that have been set for us. What made you persevere so much at such a young age? Because I think that takes, you know, uh, a certain level of confidence as well. I think to have that perseverance for five years to keep hearing no and to just not throw in the towel. 
You know, and I wish I knew what the exact answer to that was. I think it must stem from my parents. They are big believers in following your dreams and going for things. And, you know, they both laugh because they ended up at art school and they told me, because I was very into art school, please don't go down the art route. You'll end up being an art teacher. So they, they, but they will also chase that dream. So I just feel like they have definitely been advocates for just go after it, go after it. Um, and they always... I mean, we kind of knew that I was good at it. That was the crazy thing. Like, I know I can move. I know I can convey emotion. I know that I'm confident in those situations. It just felt like there was a block. And maybe part of it was just, there's certain things in life that if you don't decide to be the one to change it, then they're not going to get changed. So I think when I heard that, when I heard someone say, no, you can't do plus size modeling, you aren't big enough. And I'd spent five or six years trying to fit into this sample size and then fit into that ideal that I was just like, I can't keep trying to change for you. Like I have to change the industry or I have to change these protocols that just don't make sense. So, um, yeah, I I mean, I knew that nothing felt better than proving someone wrong. Yeah. (laughs) I think we can all enjoy that. Like I told you so moment. So I think that that was a driving force. I definitely like if someone doubts me and that goes even down to being in the gym. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I love it when I see guys see me walking over to the weight area and about to do some squats. They're probably thinking, oh, you know, what she can, what can she lift? And then, you know, I'll go and lift like 120 pounds and they're like, oh, okay then. So I think an element was proving, proving people wrong. That kept me kind of motivated, but I also knew that it just wasn't right. You know, there's something you can feel sometimes and it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel fair. So you have to step into that uncomfortable place or even if someone or people are saying no, 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 and you, it can be changed. Things can be done. So these gatekeepers from your agents to your managers, to your publicists, to, you know, at that point, probably still your mom and your dad and your family. How did they, you said it, you had a little bit of a tough time with your mom in terms of how she made you feel, but also how supportive she was. Talk about that balance of being supportive, but also how she made you feel at times. Yes, because as moms, um, I think that's one thing we're all trying to figure out, you know, how best can we support our children? And I think that it always came from a good place. So imagine I told her my dream is to be a model. So we watch America's Next Top Model, we do our <laughs> bits of research, we've got all the magazines, and what do we see? We see Gemma Ward. We see, you know, all these wonderful at the Gemma, time. Gemma, Stella, all the girls. Right, that yeah. super kind of slim girl. And my mom essentially said, well, I'm going to help you achieve that dream. So I will help and remind you to weigh yourself and measure yourself and wear certain things that will make you look slimmer because that's what we'd read and saw and and heard. Um, and unfortunately, I hadn't found my voice yet. You know, I was definitely distraught and, you know, completely bullied by people in the industry from stylists when I was backstage saying, why is this fat model here? And as you know, Molly, you're, you're naked a lot of the times or just in a tiny thong and you're I couldn't fit in the clothes and I was just wanting to just, you, know. you want to die. You literally like, I still, and we talk about this, Emisha knows because she's my best friend, but I still have problems changing in front of a stylist. Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. I'm like, God, am I going to fit? Is it going right. to like, 
I've got to get into it. I mean, I can start to sweat. And that just comes Mm -hmm. from years and years and years of being judged purely on what you look like. Agreed. I don't love shopping that much because I don't even love the changing room environment. It's why I love online shopping. I love it. I know what looks good on my body. I pull it out of a box. I try it on. I'm like, fabulous. But isn't this crazy? Isn't it fucking crazy that we are led to feel this? I was at the Academy Awards two years ago. Certain gatekeeper on my team said something to me. And I literally. I remember that. Was in tears. I'm like, I have fucking starved myself. I have done everything I can possibly do. And I remember walking down and people were clapping because they really loved my dress. And I was made to feel that it wasn't, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't right. It wasn't the right choice, whatever. But people don't realize how they make one another, like how they make us feel. Right. And that's communication. And a lot of the times it's peer to peer or mother to daughter or, or, you know, colleagues, the way that we speak to each other, especially as women, that's where we have to break down that system. Because that is when we get into that negative self-talk and instead of breaking the cycle, someone goes, yeah, I feel fat and disgusting too. Or yeah, I've put on five pounds and now I'm not worth going on that date or whatever it might be. That language, Mm -hmm. that toxic diet culture that we've been subconsciously fed. And now it really just kind of determines our whole view of when we see someone and they've lost weight, we initially congratulate them because isn't weight loss always something to celebrate? Or like you said, when something's wrong, we feel the need to to talk about someone else's appearance or size or how they look. It's just none of our business, quite frankly, but it's especially for women, a huge determiner of our value and self-worth. Men do not, when they haven't seen their friend John for a while, be like, oh, wow, John, you lost that five pounds. I like your new hair. Da, da, da. They'll probably be talking about their car or their money or their recent investments or, you know, their business ventures. Totally. Like, as females in this society, disrupting that conversation and language is vital for us to move forward. I'm going to throw this out there. I, I, it was in the headlines in the last week. Khloe Kardashian had this picture that was out there and... You know, to to the average girl that sees that image, even it was the unflattering image, she still looked fantastic. She looked amazing. And she had to have this ridiculous, you know, campaign, these live videos and all of these things. And I think, you know, no one to judge, you know, everybody does what they need to do on their own. But I think the message that that sends to the 190 million followers that she has about having to defend a picture that's unflattering and having to prove that that's actually not her body really like I think the message and that's where we're probably going into this slightly dangerous territory and really kind of what you're saying is it is this toxic talk about how our bodies look and what we're you know how we're as women looking at one another and how we're looking at ourselves really ultimately. And I think it's, it's not giving, you know, my daughters in the future, the, the kind of confidence that I want them to have. I want them to be, you know, confident and healthy and athletic and, and whatever they look like, I want them to be proud of it. And, and that should be period, full stop, end of sentence. And that's where it got really scary for me thinking back to when I was a teenager and the consumption and the desire to be slim outweighed my desire 
to be athletic, to really invest my time and energy into building my body so that I could swim faster and do sport better because I loved sport. I was more consumed with being slim, which meant that I was not eating correctly. I was not nourishing my body. And I was essentially damaging my health for the expense of trying to be slim when all the things that made me happy in life, eating socially, doing sports, being active, those are the things that mattered. And I think that you raised such a valid point there that when you see the biggest superstars in the world who everyone idolizes and you can see that they are consumed with how they look and that their self-worth is obviously completely attached to the way that other people view them too, then there is an issue there. And that does show that we do have to keep speaking about this because there's so much more to each of us than that. And as moms, the fact that the first thing is about that snapback, it's like, we just created a life. I'm just thrilled you're raising a boy because (laughs) I will tell you, you are raising a son who is going to respect women Mm -hmm. in such a beautiful way. Like you, Iskra, I didn't go to the gym for 10 years. I did not. I... I tell the story about being in soul cycle and I'm like, I won't lift the weights, even though they're only two pounds because I can't build muscle. I can't, I can't be, you know, a heavier model or you're a muscular model. And so it's either you barely eat and you don't work out like that's, you know, when I was at the height of modeling for me, it was tremendous, tremendous amount of pressure. I still don't. I mean, I still get weird about eating in public. I don't, you know, it's not, I I don't, I'm not a huge foodie. We talk about this. She loves food. I love food. And, you know, I'm not really that way, but it also, I think has to do with, because of modeling and being just, you know, in that world. In your relationship with food, you almost didn't, because you started modeling so young too. You didn't even get a chance to establish what food meant in your life and and encouraging that kind of healthy foundation of food. You didn't even get a chance. Well, I went from Kentucky fried chicken and cheeseburgers and frosty, you know, a shake dipped with a fry to, you know, to living in Europe and like eating a piece of lettuce. Literally. So confusing. And, you know, that isn't necessarily maybe whoever's listening to this right now. You may be thinking, well, I don't have that experience, but I think we can all agree that at some point we have looked to ourselves and not felt enough. That to me is a universal message. Like we said, affecting the biggest superstars in the world who have everything, who have all the money, all the trainers, all the hair and makeup, all the surgeons, everything. And they (laughs) are still not feeling that they are worthy enough or good enough to just show up imperfectly, having to defend themselves. And you know, I, I hope in a way that does come with one positive message of just like, we're all struggling a little bit and that's okay. Um, and we just have to be kinder to ourselves first and each other. It's a balance, I think. And I think, you know, for me personally, you know, I was naturally as a kid, I was small. I was, you know, thin, not like scrawny thin. I was just, I never gained weight. I grew up, I'm Eastern European. My grandmother would make me schnitzel and french fries every <laughs> single day for dinner. If I didn't have a schnitzel, I didn't eat. So she would go back in the kitchen and pound out a chicken and fry it. And, you know, when I moved to New York, I was 23 years old and I would eat a bacon, egg, and cheese for breakfast every single morning. If I was trying to be healthy, this is how ignorant I was when it came to nutrition, I would eat pad thai because I thought <laughs> that if it was Asian, it was healthy. I'm not, I cannot make it up. I still right? love pad thai. I'm not going to lie. So I ate 
horrifically. Like I, my diet, the fact that I didn't weigh 350 pounds is by the grace of God, a miracle. And it all caught up to me when I was in my like, well, hit 30. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, I have to have a scale. How much do I weigh? Wait, I didn't know when we anything. were first meeting you, I'm like, oh. I literally looked at her. I'm like, how do you eat all that? I was like, how, how do you eat I would all? take down a cheeseburger and she'd be like eating a salad with the dressing on the side. And I'd be like, girl, give me a cheeseburger and fries, please. And she I was like, horrified. I was like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm kind of scared for you. I'm, I'm scared for me watching you. But like, and she's like, no, it's fine. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, no, I know. I'm, I'm crazy. I just. And then it changed one day. And, and honestly, for me, the struggle now is it caught up. And I, you know, have struggled. I, I gained with my first pregnancy, I gained, you know, 40 pounds. And then I've just not been able to lose it. And so much of my confidence, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly confident person. I don't, you know, I'm, I, I struggle with my own insecurities. We all do. But I think that I put a lot of how I feel. Like, I think I, I maybe deflect in humor sometimes, like how I feel about myself. And I think that I need to, to really kind of also just be confident because I think it's also really important in my own body and my own skin because I don't want my, my girls to pick up on it. You know, I, I don't, I've heard my, my oldest daughter say something like, oh, that's, and she doesn't say, didn't say it in an ugly way, but she used the word fat in something. And I was like, you can't use that word. And she didn't know what she was saying. Right. But those are the things that I think are so important in how we start to communicate, you know, what the words they hear we say. And I hate the word skinny. Like I I never, I don't ever want her to hear skinny, scarlet. I know that sounds crazy, but like it's healthy. Let's replace it with healthy. You know what I mean? Like I hate the word. If you were to have a daughter, like what would be like the things that you instill and how do you, I guess like what are your, your tips when you're talking to people? Because I know you do, you know, you do a lot of speaking engagements. Like what are like your, your suggestions when people are struggling? That you, yeah, you, you no, give great out. question. So I think this all stems from the fact we are still a fat phobic society. We do have fear around food. We have fear around fatness. We judge people because of that. And um, that's, that's so integrated into how we feel, right? Because we know that when we gain weight, we are looked at as lesser. We are looked at as if what happened to her, she let herself go. All of that messaging is really hard and people carry that around with them every day. Um, and so I, first off, I want to say that change is, is part of life, right? We shouldn't control our weight. For me, that is an unhealthy measure, but understanding what our balance is in how we are consuming in an intuitive way, right? Because when I was recovering from my eating disorder, I was trying to lose control, but at the same way, learn how to to figure out what my relationship was with food and my size and my body. Um, so weighing myself, that went out the picture. I don't do it. Um, and the last time I actually got weighed was my first appointment when I was pregnant. And it really had me a moment. And I've had a whole conversation with my eating disorder community about people should ask for consent to do that because it can be triggering for some people. So Going back to your actual question of how and what kind of wording I would use for people who are in that place of feeling triggered or potentially having body dysmorphia or having disordered eating and really not taking care of themselves because they're just struggling right now with their own body image. The first thing is that pillar of I am enough. Figuring out how you can affirm that to yourself, if that's in the mirror, giving yourself eye contact, if that's in a gratitude diary, if it's writing it on your mirror, 
if it's friends and family that you can help remind you of that. But for me, that was my saving grace, that affirmation. And it's the National Eating Disorder Association's affirmation too, of I am enough. Because in any situation, I am enough, I deserve to eat. I'm enough, I deserve to move today. I'm enough, I deserve to get dressed, be in a loving relationship with a partner in work. I deserve the respect and treatment because I am enough, I'm worth that. That's really the basis of everything. But like I said, encouraging your worth and value to be more than your size and not based in that is really, really important. So especially for young people, encouraging girls to be more than just pretty and, and cute and beautiful. It, they're lovely and not always be the princess. But we're not also yeah. encouraging adventurous. Yeah. You know, we're also encouraging courageous, intelligent, creative. Like there's so many descriptors. Um, and when they are based on appearance, what happens is when someone stops calling you cute and pretty because you did put on weight or you, you, you know, turned into a teenager and you got acne and now people are like, they're not calling you the cute, pretty girl they used to, whatever it might be. That's going to affect your fundamental feeling of, of who you are and what you're worth yeah. in every relationship in your life. So if we are basing it on things that are tangible and can't be changed about who you are, you're an amazing friend. You're an amazing daughter because you make me feel, you know, joyous or happy or proud of you and all of these things. Those are the ways in which if we can speak to each other like that, those can't be taken away if we put on weight or if something happens to us. So that's how I would. I love that. That's amazing. I think that's great advice, me especially too. for my for for my girls. Yeah, and especially where we are, which is what I want to talk about with a little bit with like photoshopping, face tuning, retouching, you know, and social. So I want to talk a little bit about. Let's talk Photoshop. You know, what are your thoughts on it and how do you feel about it? I didn't know the impact Photoshop had on me for years and I used to love it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Can I just Photoshop myself in real life? Because um, I remember, you know, being told I was not enough by the industry. So imagine that. So everyone's telling you, then you do a photo shoot and then they retouch the image You've got a bigger thigh gap, your skin's smoother, your eyes are brighter, all of these different things, my freckles have gone, whatever it might be. <laughs> oh, so you're telling me if I looked like this version of myself, then I'd be more successful, more happy, more attractive, all of these things. Well, how am I, I can't Photoshop myself in real life. So now I'm not only comparing myself to the rest of society, the rest of this unrealistic expectation that I see of celebs and magazines and models and da da da. I'm now comparing myself to this Photoshop version of myself that I can never be in real life. Yeah. And, you know, it made me more conscious of my, I have the keratosis polaris on my arms where you have the little red Mm -hmm. bumps. Again, so many of (laughs) us have that, but I never saw it. And it was always Photoshopped out. Even when I started to campaign against Photoshop online, and I was very vocal about it. I don't retouch my Instagram photos, et cetera. I did a cover shoot and bearing in mind they interviewed me so they knew exactly what I stood for, exactly my messaging. They photoshopped my arms smoother. And it was something that I obviously didn't have a say in because as you know, Molly, you can say whatever happens on set. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. No, it's not going to be, don't worry. It's not going to be in the the magazine on the cover. Oh yeah, don't worry. We got you. No, no. And then those filters now on Instagram, I mean, it used to be like you could have like the little like touchy, like easy airbrush. And now you can have a completely different face. I can have freckles. You can have a completely different body. I mean, everything is, 
in that. Like, did you see Kate Hudson? When oh, my God. It was amazing. Did you see Kate Hudson the other day when she did this filter of where— She had, like, plumpers everywhere. It was, it was absolutely horrifying, but— Stifler's mom. Yeah. You know the Stifler's mom from American Pie? Is it that filter yes, where— yes. Really yes, got, Oh, my gosh. Yes. Jennifer Coolidge. It was so—that's exactly who it was. I love me some Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> Talk about an amazing comedian. She's amazing. I think that for young people growing up with that world of filters, if we can see the funny side of it, like Kate and kind of making it jokingly and lighthearted, I think that that to me, I think is less damaging than the the subtler Photoshop of a girl seeing her friend at school and thinking like, why did you think you weren't good enough in real life? And you've had to smooth things out and do certain things. And that's been going on for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I keep keep on telling people who follow me, unless people are stipulating it's not photoshopped, it probably is. Yeah. And I'm talking the lady on your cat food. I'm talking like every image you've ever seen yeah. has probably been photoshopped, tweaked, smoothed. And so honestly, you have to assume it unless it's specified that it isn't. Yeah. Do you still enjoy modeling now? I do. But what's changed is I feel like I've got control because most of my work now, especially because of the pandemic, is online. And so I do my own shoots and I have and I'm in the position. And that is the frustrating thing. Sometimes you have to be in the position to be able to say no. Um, and sometimes Guess what? you have to pay your bill. <laughs> Guess what, Iskra? No is actually a complete sentence. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, yeah, it feels good to be able to work with you know, brands and photographers and creatives to understand that when I say I don't want to be retouched, I mean, I don't want to be retouched. And I've been able to work with some huge brands who used to, and then I've been able to, you know, change and challenge that retouch policy, which has been really, really cool. And your airy campaign is, is amazing. It's awesome. And we love your um, daily recent outfit changes that you've been showing us. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I have a totally different question I'm going to throw out there. How is quarantining with a newborn? Because you obviously had a baby right at the the, the height of COVID and quarantining with your partner and a newborn. I'd love to know the download on that because I think we both had moments of going, (gasps) you know, with with everything. So (laughs) I, I can't even imagine. It was definitely hard enough with one in the sense of my expectation was that my family would be there to support me and to help me. And they were not. Um, and luckily my partner is the most chill guy in the world um, and very understanding. And we were able to like tag team. There were days when I just was crying and I was like, I can't, I just need to go sob in the shower because I'm trying to heal. My body's trying to heal. I have not had enough sleep. I've not eaten. So my milk supply is dropping and this baby is crying and I don't know what to do. And those feelings of being overwhelmed are just heightened because you are isolated because it feels like you can't escape and it feels scary outside. It literally felt scary to leave. So you're just in that kind of bubble. And yeah, it just wasn't what I expected. I wanted to go to mom groups. I wanted to meet other women going through this. Not many of my friends have become mothers. Um, And so I just, I had to try and find a community online, which did really help. And um, I've, you know, gotten a mom tribe now, but it was really tough at the beginning. Yeah. I, when I first had a baby, Molly knows I was the first (laughs) of my New York city friends. I solicited people on the street. I was like, she has a cute outfit on. I I went up to, I'll never forget. Went up to the first girl on the street. I was like, I like your outfit. You got a baby my age. 
want to give me your number? It was like soliciting a date. (laughs) Well, I think Iskra and I can both relate to the word gypsy. Like our life was, we're almost like a gypsy. It's two days here, three weeks here, five days here, one month here, two, you know. So what is it like now? Well, I guess it's like this for everybody for the last year, pre-pandemic, not being traveling all over the world. Is it, do you miss it? Is it different? I don't miss airports at all. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I do miss an odd hotel though. A nice bit of room service, fresh towels and bedding all the time. I, I miss some of that. Um, I, I really hate washing dishes. I do. I sound privileged. I know. I'm just being having a real moment right now. There are certain things that I didn't have to do when I was traveling, like those everyday kind of household things, because I wasn't, you know, a homeowner. I wasn't someone who was at home much. Um, and so I've had to get used to the the mundane routines of, of kind of keeping a household alive, which has become fulfilling in certain ways. And I'm proud and, you know, I love my little home and I love obviously being, you know, a little family, but those have come with challenges in the sense that I've definitely felt trapped at times because like you said, I could have just upped and leave and left at any minute. Oh, you want to go out for dinner at 10 p.m. at night? Oh, you want to go to this event? Oh, let's fly to LA. For <laughs> Again, I come from nothing. So, you know, I come from the middle of England. So I'm used to be, I'm now in the suburbs again. So I am used to this, but I worked really, really hard during my teenage years, earning nothing during my beginning of my modeling career. I think it took me 10 years to really earn enough to support myself um, and not just be in I don't think, 20, 20 pounds in my account. <laughs> I don't think people realize, you know, when you start out as a model, how absolutely little you make. Yeah, you're broke. And no one gives you financial advice. And no one tells you how much you should be earning. And the agencies control that narrative. And it's often in your contract that you can't discuss rates. No. So now and again, when I did, this happened to me a lot because... I wasn't, I didn't get into the best agencies at the beginning. And because I was slightly bigger than the other models, I would get paid half. I remember being on set one day and the models were like, oh, I'm getting 500 and I was getting 250. And I didn't have the confidence to speak up in that moment or even to ask my agency, are you taking the extra or are they just paying me less because I'm a little bit bigger or what's going on? And looking back, there are so many times I wish I'd spoken up Mm -hmm. to try and create that change, but I just wasn't there yet. I was just always constantly comparing myself to other models, like whether, and again, we had completely and utterly different body types, but I always would get the, well, you're a catalog girl, Mm. you know, you're not a runway girl. You're not, you know, and that always bothered me. I was like, fuck that. I could do, I could be, you know what I mean? And so like you, I have a little bit of, you know, have a little bit of the competing competition edge part of me that made me like really want to do something that I necessarily probably wasn't right for even back then in modeling that kind of pushed even more the body dysmorphia and more and more of trying just to fit in. Well, you can't, you know, I'm not just the pretty, you know, 15 pound overweight catalog girl who does German catalog, you know, fuck you. And then, you know, just, I was on the cover of French Vogue just saying, but again, it's, you know, it took lengths to get there. And I don't know ultimately if that was worth it, you know? I think there are moments in our life where we maybe push in a direction that maybe wasn't for us, but we were trying to do it to prove someone wrong. Um, and for me, I remember being in New York and that's a city where the energy is what's next. 
okay, oh, great. Yeah, yeah, you did that. But what are you going to try and well, achieve can you, next? But, I mean, you've been in this business. I mean, you're a lot younger than me, but can you believe where we are with Sports Illustrated and Victoria's Secrets and the inc- inclusivity that, I mean, I would have given anything to even have just a little bit of, oh, you're not the heavier girl. You know what I mean? Like, I just, yeah, it's, I, I do think we have come a long way. Yeah, I definitely feel for your generation because it it kind of, it felt like it's taken a long time. And at the same time, a lot of things kind of have happened really quickly when you compare Sports Illustrated now to even just, you know, five, six years ago, you know, they're, they're doing the most amazing things. And the same with, you know, a lot of other brands. And I think this is an exciting time and just we have to continue that momentum and celebrate. We are happy to see this. But I think it's really you. I think you're one of the biggest people that has really kind of broken down that barrier and paved the way for for those things to happen. I think you're making it possible for for the Sports Illustrated, for the Victoria's Secret. I think that... And that's an icon. Yeah. that's You know, that's, and that's what makes an icon. Yeah. You know, and, and we have a lot to go. But I think we have come a long way. I think we just really need to keep pushing the envelope and pushing it and pushing it. And um, really as women, you know, we talk a lot about support and we have a great tribe of women, but really women backing women and not judging them and not putting them down and really, really wanting something great for someone, not depending on what they look like or what job they have, but just like backing them as a human. Wanting them to be happy. Our girlfriends, we've been friends for a really long time. And all we care about is, and listen, we get into it. Ooh, girl. We we dig deep and we get get in each other's lives sometimes, maybe more than, than we should. But it always comes from a place of wanting to make one another happy and lift each other up and support one another. And, you know, going back to what I just said, I think that you know, I, the business that I, I work in, um, you know, we were talking about change makers and, and, and how people actually move things forward. And, and the people that rise in society and the people that make history and the people that stand out are the people that actually impact and make change. It's not someone that was in the mix and in the crowd. It's the people that impact and actually stand for change. And so I think that when there's someone like you who stands for real change and real stands for something because there's so many people that just don't really stand for anything. And, and they, 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 or they, they're, they're like Switzerland. They're just always neutral. neutral. It's like, okay, listen, even if you don't agree, what, what, what do you think? What do you believe? They, They ride the wave. They ride the wave. And I think that, you know, you're, you're, you're disrupting the wave. And I think that's something that is, you know, very exciting to, to watch and to, to, to look up to and admire and, 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 egg on, you know, I, 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 for one, am egging it on and I can't wait to see more of that. We wouldn't be lipstick on the rim without talking a little beauty, is Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Tell us everything. What, what is your favorite? Like, is it skincare? Is it makeup? What gets you going in the beauty world? It's definitely skincare mixed with right now hair care. Ooh. Because I've had awful postpartum hair loss to the point where my, my partner could not stand me talking about my hair. <laughs> can you be pleased talk about something else but I was almost in tears every day because every time I'm sure you've experienced it multiple times now (laughs) just the clumps the clumps and I don't have the thickest hair you know I don't have too much so when it started falling out in clumps and especially at the front I panicked I really did panic and I've had bad experiences 
from the modeling industry of hair and people saying they were going to trim it and then six inches gone. <laughs> Be careful not to work with Chris McMillan. <laughs> yeah, I delved into learning about hair growth like in a big way. So I, I started making rice water at home. I don't know if you ever tried rice water. It's kind of a TikTok trend oh, right now. No, but, but I'm writing it down. What's really cool is most people have rice in their house and it's literally just boiling the rice. So like one cup of rice, two cups of water, boil it down um, and then let it sit for 24 hours. But I tried fermented rice water where you leave it for about two days. And I didn't know this until I kept on watching TikToks, but some people were adding oranges and orange peel to make it smell better. I forgot that part. <laughs> so I make this fermented rice water, put it all over my hair. And Philip comes in and he was like, what on earth has died in here? Like the smell. And I was like, oh, I have to sleep in it too, babe. And he's like, I'm going to have to sleep next to you with that. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. I did once a mayonnaise hair mask. Scott was like, I can't sleep next to you. And I was like, I'm sorry. I put mayonnaise and I actually added a little bit of beer. You one that I really like is heatless curls. Have you tried heatless curls yet? No. Okay. So you can either do it with your robe. So with your little um, dressing gown. What do we call it in America? We call it a robe, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So with the belt of your robe, you put it on top of your head and you wrap your hair around tie it with like a silk scrunchie at the end and sleep in it. And you wake up and you have beautiful curls. If you don't believe me, just Google heatless curls and you will see. Okay. All right. All right. That is amazing. Okay. What is the, we're going to do a little rapid fire before we end. We're okay. not going to take, cause I know you're probably, your baby is going to wake up and need your boobs. Okay. What is your go-to cocktail? Oh, okay. So it's actually a non-alcoholic pina colada. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. All right. I've been alcohol free since 21. Oh my gosh. Can I be you as I drink this? When do you feel your most beautiful? Definitely with my son in the bath. And that's a really weird thing to say, but I used to have a really flat stomach. Can't lie. I worked out a lot and I had a flat stomach. That was my body shape. Now I don't. (laughs) So coming full circle and and when I'm in the bath and I'm kind of bent over and I have the, this new softness and this new squish it feels really beautiful because I just look at my stomach and I don't understand how I created a human in there yeah and I talk about it all the time with my partner and I'm like it would almost be weird if my stomach looked the same because it did something so miraculous so I'm just naked and like my boobs are a little bit more saggy now and they've got some stretch marks and I just look at this body and I'm like and if I didn't have you, I wouldn't have my baby. So that to me is is true beauty. I love that. I love that. Are you a morning person or a night person? Night person. Gold or silver? Gold. Cold or hot? Cold. What's your spirit animal? Oh, spirit animal. Ooh, that's a good one. I want to say a, a golden retriever. Oh, oh, I love that. Coffee or tea? Neither. <laughs> Not English. Never tried a sip of coffee. Ever. Are you, shut the front door. Are you kidding me? I've never tried it. I hate the smell. What about iced coffee? I hate hot coffee. I love an iced coffee. That's the only thing I drink. I've never tried it. What's the next beauty product on your list to try? I'm very tempted to try dermaplaning, but also terrified. I'm terrified. I, Mallory asked me this morning, you really should consider dermaplaning. I'm like, I'm scared. I really, I've I'm done scared. it. I loved it. What is the one thing that annoys you the most? Text messages. Mm. Sorry, everyone. 
I just I, hate I don't texting. know a lot of the time it's like hey how are you and I'm like <laughs> oh that's just such a uh. I mean, can we meet up next year and just actually catch up because this small talk I just can't deal with right now <laughs> what fortune would you want to get from a fortune cookie you're going to be healthy and happy the rest of your life I love that, I love that. what is the last thing you liked on social media Oh, definitely a nail art. Nail picture. art. Yeah, I'm going to get my nails done again soon. And that's something that I I like to research heavily. Oh. All right. We're going to end on this one last one. If you could share just one piece of advice of, to women around the world, what would it be? Try and keep it simple. You're enough and you're worthy of your own love. And you, Iskra Lawrence, are a fucking badass. You're amazing. Thank Tell you so everyone much. how we can find you, how they can follow you, how they can live with you in Austin and your husband and <laughs> your in your bath. Tell us, <laughs> tell tell everybody who's right, listening right admiring now. Admiring ourselves and naked in the bath. Um, that would be a cool moment. Um, I am just Iskra on social media, on Instagram, on YouTube, um, on Facebook. And I also have an investment portfolio that I'm really delving into more this year on public. And again, it's an app that I use and it's social media for investing. And again, that's just Iskra. It's really, really cool. I'm, again, I'm not trying to plug or do an ad or anything. Plug like away, boo, plug away. No, no, I, um, I'm really passionate about helping women learn more about financial literacy and investing has been a huge part of where I'm kind of focusing my energy and hopefully creating generational wealth for my child. And I just feel like there's a lot of women who don't know where to start and who aren't encouraged to talk about money. So I'm talking about money. I'm, I'm, I'm really talking about, I'm talking about today where I invested in Coinbase today, I invested $5,000 in Coinbase. Um, and a lot of my investments. Did you know the cryptocurrency, the cryptocurrency, the Coinbase? Did you hear that, see the article today about it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've got we've delved into crypto. Me and me and my partner are, are big crypto people now. So Iskra is also involved with the National Eating Disorders Association, where you know young women can go and ask questions and really be a part of that community. And I love that you're a big advocate and ambassador for them. But you're amazing. We love you. Thank you. And Nita does have a free online screening tool as well. So if you've listened to this and anything has resonated with you and you're wondering, hmm, could I be having disordered eating thoughts or body dysmorphia? You can go there and kind of take this, the free online screening and just see if there's any way that Nita could support you. But thank you so much for thank doing so you. awesome. Thank so you. much. Such fun. a pleasure. Um, Our, yes, please keep in touch. We will. We will. We, we're going to actually, we're going to do the curl thing. I'm going to take my yeah. robe. By the way, your accent is so lovely that I'm literally going to take my, I'm going to take the belt of my robe and I'm going to do the the heatless curls. Yes. We'll do it tonight. We'll do it tonight. We'll send I need to see pictures of you too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's a wrap. A few videos. There's a few different <laughs> techniques. We'll, so. we'll, we'll look at all the TikTok techniques. There you go. All right. <laughs> Well, that is a wrap on this week's episode, Lipstick on the Rim. Wow. I mean, she is amazing. I know. This is awesome. Honestly, you guys be sure to tune in next week. You're going to be obsessed. Talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Lipstick on the Rim with Molly Sims and my ride or die, Emma Shagormley. We are so excited to bring you guys along on this journey with us. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Lipstick on the Rim and at Molly B. Sims or my website where you can dive deeper into our favorite products and more at mollysims.com. This podcast is a joint production between Dear Media and Pod People. A very, very special thanks to Ashley Gasparian, Schaefer Carrillo, Ann Fuse, Matt Sav, Alana Goldwater, 
co-author Brittany High, Michelle Harrison, and everyone at Dear Media. Make sure to follow Lipstick on the Rim and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts so you never, ever, ever miss out on the fun.